Welcome in, guys. Farzine Vasukian, host of Farzcast here. Uh, very excited for this episode of Farzcast. Um, this is something that uh, I've been uh, kind of planning for a while. I was waiting very patiently for uh, the Chiefs to make it to the Super Bowl, Super Bowl before I said anything. But uh, now here we are. Uh, Chiefs are in the Super Bowl, so I figured uh, this would be a great time to... Uh, do a show like this on Super Bowl Eve. Uh, of course, uh, less than 24 hours away. By this time tomorrow, it's probably going to be the halftime show, so we will be hearing the weekend. Uh, but nonetheless, man, um, I'm very excited, and uh, not just because of the game, but because of this podcast that we've got here. A lot of great guys. Um, I don't know how everyone, uh, for those uh, watching, uh, are seeing this. Um, it should be the same as my view, but uh, just kind of going – uh, starting with the top row, that is Matt Sparks. He is uh, the founder of Arrowhead First. Uh, so check out his commentary on Twitter. Uh, next to him, that is me. You guys already know who I am. And beside me is Melody McAllister. She is an Wait, author, also the author of this book right here, The I'm Sorry Story. Yes, yeah, she's got she's got it on hand as well. Perfect. We got two people. Uh, second row, that's Charles Goldman. He is from uh, USA Today's The Chiefs Wire. Uh, in the middle there, that is Brett Fitzgerald. He runs Savage Sports Beams. Beside him is Dan Shanka, former Chief Scout, also a former Eagles Scout, working with Andy Reid in Philadelphia there. And then uh, Jake Kokoris, uh, the third row. He is from Arrowhead Addict. And then next to him, former Chiefs offensive lineman, also a podcaster from the uh, Believe Network. Uh, a lot, I've had a lot of people from the Believe Network. Really good guys there. Uh, Joe Valerio, very excited for him, and Mark Van Sickle from Sports Illustrated, and Sam Hayes, also from Sports Illustrated, and with Pro Football Focus. Uh, guys, welcome in. Thank you guys so much for making time for this. Uh, I'm very excited to talk to all of you guys. How are you guys all doing? Exceptional. Exceptional. Fantastic. Fantastic. coming. Back to back. Doing there we go. Back to back. Doing great. Uh, yeah, uh, let me just quickly type out uh, this real quickly. Uh, come join us for our Chiefs Super Bowl Eve party. Uh, I just tagged you guys in a tweet on uh, Twitter. If you guys don't mind just retweeting that so we can get more eyes on this. And also, if, if you guys are on Facebook as well, if you guys have a public account, if you guys could share that through uh, your pages as well, that'd be great. Um, I'm very excited for this. Obviously, the Chiefs. You know, as Kansas City Chiefs fans, we don't often get this experience. You know, back-to-back uh, -to -back Super Bowls. Uh, never in my lifetime I thought I'd see the Royals go two years in a row and then the Chiefs go two years in a row to a championship. Um, uh, I, I just kind of want to get a, a feel. Uh, I, I want to go to you, Charles, because you've done a lot of work this week with the sports, uh, the Chiefs wire for USA Today. Um, just in your uh, week covering the team compared to last year, what would you say is the biggest difference – uh, with this team's mentality. There's a, a calm about them that, that there really wasn't last time around. It, you, you can tell, you, you can tell that they've been here before, which I think it's going to be really important you now. Cause you look at the, the Buccaneers roster and outside of, of Brady and Gronkowski. That, you know, they're, they're really the only two people with, with a lot of Who playoff that, experience. Won that? I mean, yeah, they have Shady McCoy, who was with us last year. But, because he was in know, the neutral zone. I, I feel uh -huh. like the bulk of this roster, it, they've been there, they've done that. And right? the younger players can, can lean on that in a way that, that, they, that they can't over in Tampa Bay. Uh, Dan, are you there? Sure am. I was trying to tweet something out here for us. Oh, no, no, you're good. You're good. Um, uh, well, I, I, I just want to. Hey, I'm, I'm technically challenged, as you know, so I have to turn around to my computer and I use my other computer with my Zoom. So no, but, that's but OK. You're, you're good, man. Uh, I wanted to go to you next because you worked with Andy Reid in, in Philadelphia. And, and, and look, I know he's taken a lot of criticism for so many years. Um, for not being able to win the big games. And, and, and we, we've seen the, the struggles and just the frustrations in January. As someone who's, who, who knows him on a personal level, someone who's worked with him, what does it mean to you to see him win it last year and now be back uh, a year later to make it two in a row? Well, uh, real excited because, um, you know, as we all know, certainly the Chiefs fans, uh, uh, you know, he won three 
AFC championships now in a row after winning three NFC championships in a row and getting to a Super Bowl in Philly. But, um, you know, I, I saw Andy's growth in the league and uh, he came in with the West Coast offense. And although I did bump heads with Andy a little bit because he always kind of felt you won by throwing the ball. And and when he came into Philly, we had a heck of a running attack. And uh, I mean, I, being an old school guy, I was, uh, you know, I liked to, to run the ball, you know, control the game that way. And uh, Andy, it, it drive me nuts because the West Coast offense, they throw, you know, the first down, you have third and one, and they want to throw the ball, you know, instead of giving it to running back, uh, running, um, you know, toss sweeps or counter trays and stuff like that. But, you know, Andy kind of always stuck with it and kind of developed it. And I think the key to Andy's success is he wasn't afraid to, to go to colleges and learn what they're trying to do, you know. And, um, and I think – Anytime you're a coach, you've got to be able to look at the things around you and make people successful. I mean, even Bear Bryant in the day, you know, when he started getting his behind kicked, he got he two things he did. One, he recruited black players, and then two, you know, he uh, um, he went to the wishbone at that time was really strong, and then he ends up winning national championship. So, but anyway, I think that, you know, Andy is an innovator and I think that's what helped his longevity and his success. And as long as you got number 15, you're going to have a lot of success in the next few years. Uh, Joe, I want to go to you because you're a former chief, of course, but um, you've, you've, you moved back to Philadelphia after your playing career. So you've mm-hmm. been able to follow Andy Reid very closely living in Philadelphia and then also following him when he came to Kansas city. What do you make of his success, uh, over the years and how much he's grown? Well, I think we all saw it in Philadelphia Fars. And I mean, we, we saw what he was doing. I mean, he made it to the NFC championship several times, right? He got to the super bowl. I mean, he was building something here in Philly and, Philly's a tough town to play in, as Dan will tell you. I mean, the fans are rough. The media is rough. And uh, they expect a lot out of their sports teams here in the city. And, um, you know, when he went to Kansas City and got that fresh start, you know, I knew that he was going to do great things, especially working with the Hunt family, uh, what they were doing from a management perspective. I got, to, I got to have lunch. One of the greatest thrills I ever had is I got to have lunch with Andy in his first week as the Eagles coach. Um that we a bunch of alums got together and took him out to a local uh, roast beef place. And, and, and we had a great time getting to know him. And I just knew it. I knew he was going to be a, a great head coach. And I'm not just saying that because he's there now and he's doing what he's doing. We, we all could tell. And we were sorry, you know, for people who knew football, we were really sorry to see him go in Philly. We, we thought there were still great things ahead for the franchise, but you know how the NFL is raised right? as Jerry Glanville said, not, not for long. Right. That's what it stands for. So so uh, he's, he's doing great things, and, you know, it's just been so refreshing to see what he's done in KC. I mean, it's just what he's done and how he's built the culture there. It's uh, spectacular. And, and meshes really well with the Hunt family and everything that, everything that those fans, uh, you know, symbolize. Yeah, Clark Hunt was saying uh, in the AFC Championship game that, you know, and he said this uh, multiple occasions that the best move in this team's history was hiring Andy Reid, so – uh, certainly has come a long way. And there were some rough patches for sure. Uh, some fans got frustrated, but uh, it's been worth it for sure. By the way, Zach joined us. Uh, should be on the bottom of your screen. Uh, anyone who listens to the podcast knows who Zach is. Zach and I also do um, the Facebook Live. So glad Zach uh, got a chance to join us. I want to go to the, the Sports Illustrated guys. Uh, I, I'll start with Mark first and then go to Sam. Sam's also from Pro Football Focus. Uh, what do you guys think is going to be the, uh, the biggest key for the team to, uh, to win this game tomorrow? Um, for me, I think it's going to be um, just making sure that Patrick Mahomes uh, doesn't get sacked. I think that the offensive line is going to step up to the occasion. Last year, it was the defense who was kind of getting called out for not being able to stop the run. And then what did they do? They stopped Derrick Henry. They stopped the uh, incredible 49ers rushing attack that couldn't be stopped up until the Super Bowl. And this year, I think it's going to be the offensive line. They've been hearing it the past two weeks that they aren't going to be able to stop that crazy defensive front that Tampa Bay has. But in all honesty, I think that last year's Niners team had a better defense than this Bucks team. And I think that uh, the Chiefs are a better team this year than they were last year. So I think that's just going to have an edge for Kansas City there. Sam, uh, what do you think? 
Yeah, I I don't have as much confidence uh, in the offensive line as Mark does here, but I do believe that they, at least without some of the starters, but I do think that Patrick Mahomes will be able to make it partially irrelevant because we've seen it with other elite uh, quarterbacks, whether it's intelligence or skill, being able to just get the ball out quickly on time, good routes uh, that are short intermediate and Travis Kelsey can obviously do that. And we saw it a little bit in some of these uh, playoff games where uh, one of them, I don't remember if it was the Browns or the Bills game, where Patrick Mahomes didn't complete a single pass over 20 yards in the air. So he could still be destructive without completing that deep ball at all in the game. And I think that'll be the biggest key is if Patrick Mahomes is able to find the open receiver quickly, efficiently, especially if it's Kelsey and Hill, and uh, just keep on rolling with the efficient passing game. Yeah, that three-headed monster. I mean, that's that's definitely something Kansas City's definitely going to be working with. Uh, let's stay with this offense for a moment. I'll start with you, Zach, and then I'll follow up with Jake and uh, go to uh, go to Matt afterwards. Uh, what do you guys think about the running game? How much uh, involvement do you think they're going to have in, in this? Uh, we all know about Tyree Kill, Travis. We know they're going to get a, a lot of targets, but uh, it's going to be interesting. Le'Veon Bell is expected to play. Clyde Edwards-Alaire at one point. He had the most rushing yards out of anyone not named Derrick Henry, uh, who uh, some people thought at one point was the MVP. What do you guys make of the uh, the rushing attack and the con- contributions they might have for uh, tomorrow's game? I mean, we saw in the last Super Bowl that Damian Williams came up huge, you know, amidst all the other big names that we've already mentioned. I wouldn't be shocked to see Clyde do something of that you know, type. But honestly, if we're relying on the run game to win tomorrow, I we have other problems at that point, so. Hopefully we don't have to worry about it too much. He stopped the run very well. Uh, what, what do you top, think, Jake? Top three. I mean, the <clears throat> a big That's mismatch is Bucks D line on our O line. So Andy's shown throughout this year and his tenure as Chiefs coach that he'll just he'll give whatever the I mean he'll he'll do whatever the defense can get. So if if he runs the ball, you know, three times early and Clyde or Le'Veon gets stuffed. He might just transfer to, you know, short passing, intermediate passing, relying on that more. Um, it just – I think it's more of a game flow question than anything. Matt, what do you think? Well, so, I mean, like Zach said, we're the, we're the Chiefs, so if we're running too much, it's probably not a great thing. But Clyde Edwards-Alaire is a capable back. Uh, I really miss that idea of having – the playoff closer in Damian Williams. Right. And, yeah. uh, you know, I wonder what kind of mentality Clyde Edwards, Alaire is going to have coming into that, but what I want to see, and hopefully not in a dangerous way, but what I want to see is those big, you know, uh, late game scrambles like Pat Mahomes had last year, right. The ones where he does the grandpa step, makes it look <laughs> like he's about to go out of bounds, shoots off for about 15 more yards and then goes out late. That, that's what I want to see because if we're having or if we're having to run the ball too much with the running backs, that's just going to be a problem for me. Uh, Joe or Dan, I, I thought I heard one of you guys did. What I, have you- I, I, I agree. I agree with Jake. I, I think they're going to, I think they're going to try to establish something in the run early to see if they can pull the linebackers up a little bit so they can bring all seven into the box and then start to expose the, you know, eight to 15 yard range in the passing game, maybe with some play action, some RPO, because if they don't bars and, 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 and they can, if the bucks can rush with four and be effective against, you know, and I guess we can call it a makeshift line. I don't think we're speaking out of school here. Um, If, if they don't um, pull those linebackers up and, and the bucks get to put seven and Todd Bowles gets to put seven, Deep, I'm air quoting at deep. If he gets to cover with seven and they can be effective in the pass rush with four, it's going to be a long day. So they're going to have to, I think my prediction is they're going to, you know, Eric and and Andy are going to try to run the ball early to see if they can establish something, see if they can get to build on that a little bit of a running game, get some play action going. Then Eric's playbook becomes full, right? As opposed to being limited. So I I think that's how it's going to go. I I agree with Jake in that uh, assessment. By the way, and we'll, we'll get into more Chiefs talk in a moment, but uh, I, I just kind of realized, I think outside of me, Zach, and Mark, and I know Sam is in the is in the state of Kansas, in Wichita, 
I think the three of us, we're the only ones in Kansas City. Jake, where are you? I'm in Illinois. Okay, I, I, I didn't know where you – oh, that's right. That's right. You did tell me that before. So, uh, Joe, I, I mentioned you're obviously in in, um, in Philadelphia. I'm, I'm uh, actually at the Jersey Shore right now. Oh, so, there you go. Yeah. Uh, Dan, did you recently move to Arizona? No, no, just the winter. <laughs> oh. I'm, uh, I, I'm, uh, I, I'm in Iowa, you know, uh, what, eight months a year. So we dodge oh, those okay. bullets, you know. Uh, my wife loves to be outside in the winter time, And I said, hey, if you slip, also, you know, we're, uh, we have our lad scouting services and, and uh, put our draft guide and everything. And if my wife would slip, uh, we would be out of business. So we, uh, we came out to Arizona and uh, we have a son out here. My dad's out here. Uh, got some sisters out here, his brother-in-law's out here. So it's kind of like family, but long yeah, uh, TMI, but Arizona. Uh, so we haven't heard from Brett and Melody. I kind of want to go to you guys. Brett, I know you're in Texas. Melody, you're all the way in Alaska. Um, Brett, I'll go to you first because, uh, you know, I know a lot of people are saying, oh, I wish, you know, I could have been in Kansas City. But I actually think it's cool seeing Chiefs fans all across the country and kind of what the vibe is like, you know, outside of Kansas City. Um, you're in you're in Mahomes territory, essentially. What is uh, what is the Chiefs vibe like in Texas for you? Uh, it's good, but at the same time, it's like it's a little bit irritating because I have people coming up to me all the time, like, "Oh man, I love the Chiefs, I love Mahomes," you know, and this that. I mean, I, I I get it, you know. He's he's from White House, which is about uh, four and a half hours north of, north northeast of here, three three and a half hours, and he and he's from Tech, so I run into people, you know, who are, you know, had graduated from Tech or whatever. So I mean, I I understand all that, but sometimes I'm like. God, I wish you guys understood the pain of two and fourteen. Well, they kind of do. They're Cowboys fans too, so I mean, they, you know, a lot of them fucking get it. Really, like this guy over here that's here with me tonight, he's a Cowboys fan, you know. So they they feel the same pain. Uh, it's just a, uh, it's, it's it's inflicted a little bit different. Uh, <laughs> There's is from the owner. <laughs> Melody, have you have you seen any other Chiefs fans in Alaska? Uh, yeah, like last year when we actually could go places and we were watching the huh? Super Bowl go to the bar and I wasn't the only um, Chiefs fan. So there were just a few, but I actually lived in Texas for almost 20 years and um, always surrounded by Cowboys or Saints fans. And I wore my gear proud. Like I always, I, I laugh whenever the Cowboys play. I just, they're ridiculous. But, um, but yeah, being here, there's a lot of Chiefs fans here. Wanna... I do see stickers. And, you know, I live in a big military area. So there's people from everywhere all over the nation that live here now. And um, we see a lot of Chiefs fans here. I don't know. I, I want to say, I don't know who it was. It was either Brady or Mahomes. One of those two had like the highest selling jersey this season. Uh, I mean, Brady's understandable because he switched teams, but Mahomes, people are just kind of now like continuing to gravitate gravitate towards him and, and just get, you know, uh, excited with his gameplay. So you're kind of seeing a lot more uh, Mahomes jerseys out there, which kind of feels like LeBron James. Wherever LeBron goes, you see his jersey everywhere, and now you're going to start seeing that with Mahomes over the years. By the way, did you guys uh, are does it, do any of you guys watch uh, Bill Maher? No, but I saw the clip. Okay, so for those who don't know what I'm talking about, my mom's a huge Bill Maher fan, and she texted this to me. Uh, This is – like, like, here's the thing. Like, a famous comedian is begging for the quarterback of my team to do this. Like, that's kind of what uh, got me. This is Bill Maher, uh, and I know you guys won't be able to hear this but or see it, but at least hear it. Listen to what he said. He's the greatest, the goat, whatever. I, it's just like, please, Mahomes, beat this motherfucker. Please. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, and I, Bill Maher every year is like, again, like anti Tom Brady anytime he goes to a Super Bowl, Super Bowl. But now that he is, you know, you, you, people are rooting for the Chiefs now, big time. Even some Raiders and Broncos fans are rooting for the Chiefs because they don't want to see Brady win anymore. Like, Everyone's that's how cool this is. Hearing about him. <laughs> well, here's the problem enjoy this good guy role while it lasts because in a couple of years when we do continue doing what the Patriots did, people are going to now want us to lose. So it's like, we're not going to get this treatment for very long. That's a damn fact. I was going to say after, uh, after they three Pete, then, then there's not going to be any Mahomes lovers. He might still sell the jerseys, but I, I don't think they're going to be loving them like they are this year. 
Yeah. Uh, as I, long I just, as we don't have a spy gate or something, I think Mahomes is still likable enough to carry. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. Um, it, it is cool to see the Chiefs in this position. And, you know, I, I've told people, look, you know, enjoy that. Well, the Chiefs may not go back. You never know. I mean, the Saints, uh, they, they won a Super Bowl. Uh, the Packers won with uh, Aaron Rodgers, but those guys have not gone back. I anticipate the Chiefs to go back, but sometimes you just never know, man. So I hope Chiefs fans are all enjoying this ride because um, it does go by fast when things are going well. Um, as we all know, during the down years, it's um, it's uh, it's very shitty, <laughs> for lack of I mean, a better term. One thing I wanted to say about, uh, like, with Mahomes, he's, to me, he's got kind of a Manny Pacquiao type feeling. If you, if you ever watch boxing or even just watch a little bit, Pacquiao is so nice, and he's just he's just so likable. I, I know people who hate him because he's too nice. I mean, Pat, Patrick Mahomes could very well be that guy. I mean, it's it's amazing what he is like at age 23, 24, 25, having that type of character where he just inspires people and makes everybody around him feel better and happy. I mean, and he's, and he's so nice. I know people are like, God, he's so nice. I'm like, I kind of want to hate him, but I can't, you know. He reminds me of Manny Pacquiao when Pacquiao was boxing all the time. Who who, who is Mahomes' is Floyd Mayweather going to be then? Ooh. That's a good question. Let's see where Watson lands. That'll be the answer. Watson. Ooh, I want to see Watson, Watson go to the Raiders. I would love to oh. see some Herbert, Watson. Oh. Imagine Herbert, Watson, and Mahomes for the next decade. I can Wouldn't actually respect so the Raiders. If the Broncos Suck. stuck with Locke, I'm here for it. Let's go. Let me say something. I, I we, we all hate the Raiders, obviously, but you know what, man? When you have a quarterback like Mahomes, you it'd be cool to have a very uh, significant rivalry. Yeah. You know, I, I kind of want it to be the Raiders, and I'm a little selfish because Vegas is my favorite city, and I am looking forward uh, to going to Vegas hopefully next year uh, when <laughs> this pandemic dies down, uh, hopefully one day, uh, someday, right? But, um, yeah, I can actually maybe respect the Raiders a little bit if Deshaun Watson was their quarterback. Because I love John Gruden. I mean, yeah, he's on the Raiders, but he's a, he's a very likable guy. you got to respect his track record for sure. Fars and I agree with you 100% as, a, as an ex-player. I mean, we, we had our games with the Broncos, and we all know what, you know, what the Elway thing was like. Elway. But no Chief player or you know, fan want, wants more than to have the Raiders-Chiefs rivalry rekindled i mean it it goes it transcends football the raiders chiefs rivalry so i i think that would be fantastic i mean as much as we had some great things going against the broncos for some of those years the the chiefs players themselves and the organization as a whole that that raiders chiefs rivalry was fantastic and it's it's what every chiefs player looks forward to i i gotta ask you joe oh uh sorry matt did you want to say something I was just going to say, uh, my buddy is a Ravens fan, right? And to see the AFC North so competitive this year, every game was a game that he was absolutely stoked about because all the teams were neck and neck throughout the year, and it really enhanced the game for him as a fan. So if the AFC West ever became like that, that would really be something. Joe, I want to go back to you because you're part of like, you and I were texting about this. You're part of a weird history slash pattern where the Chiefs and the Bills play each other every 27 years in the AFC championship game or the AFL uh, championship game. If you go back a bit, Uh, I'm kind of wondering, you've been there before in an AFC title game. Can you just kind of take us back? You know, what was the mindset like with you and your teammates as you got ready for that game? Oh man, you just, you know, you, you, you don't want to look past it. And, and I don't think we did in 1993, um, but I'll tell you, you can taste the Super Bowl, right? I mean, you can feel it. And, and it just, you know, I think far as in 27,000 players have suited up for an NFL football game, at least one, right? So when you think about that since it started, um, 55 years of Super Bowls, I, I, I haven't looked at the actual math of it, but if you think about you know, let's say there's a hundred guys out on the field, right? 50 for just use round numbers. Let's just use round numbers. So, you know, a hundred players in the Super Bowl, right? 50 on each team times 55 Super Bowls. You're only talking about five, 6,000 players that have played in the Super Bowl. So that's like a quarter, but that doesn't count players who played in two or three Super Bowls, right? Or 10 like Tom Brady. So you're probably thinking about maybe 3,000 to 4,000 players out of the 27,000 that have played in the NFL will actually get to go out on the Super Bowl field. That tells you how special it is. I think just those numbers, 
I can tell you about the emotion that we felt being so close. I'll tell you, I can give you one other anecdote about how, how close we were and how much we wanted to get there. I went to that Super Bowl the year after we won the, or lost in the AFC championship game. It was the most depressing week of my life. I, I really, my wife and I made the decision to go to the game because we had some hotel rooms because you have to book things ahead of time. Yeah. And we decided to go. And I had some friends in Atlanta when the, when the Bills played the Cowboys that year. It was literally the most depressing week of my life. I, I wanted to leave. I really didn't want it. I wanted to actually sell my tickets and, and, go, and go home because okay. I, I was so I, – I wanted to be on that field so bad. I, I, I'm, I actually really appreciate you bringing that up. Did you guys feel that way a couple of years ago with the AFC? Obviously, that was such a brutal ending, the offsides and all that. I actually know a lot of Chiefs fans that did not want to watch the Super Bowl that year because they felt like they should have been in there. Did any of you guys actually not watch or almost decided to boycott the Super Bowl because of that? I watched, but I was super cynical and just like in a terrible mood. And like, I, I was at a party, so I kind of ruined the party. I was just, <laughs> and it's like, you know, if, if D Ford just didn't do it, this Super Bowl would be a lot more interesting, but I, I, I watched it begrudgingly. It didn't help that that was the biggest snoozer of a Super Bowl that we've had in recent memory, too. That is like, true. That hurt. Right, right. Yeah, the the game it didn't have a good feeling about it, but then even worse that it was just a bad game. Yeah. It was just so I watched Super Bowl at- four. <laughs> nice. Where do you watch Super Bowl four? I found it on Daily Motion. Oh, and, yes. uh uh, I can't uh, – in, in one of the Chiefs groups on Facebook, I said something like, you're not a real Chiefs fan if you're not watching Super Bowl IV. Uh, I, I can't remember but exactly what I said, but, man, people really got pissed off about how I said it. I'm not exactly sure what it was, but it had something to do with people not being able to read Roman numerals. <laughs> Interesting. All right. Yeah, um, it was bad. Well, I just want to say, as an educator in the room, listening to Joe and Brett talk about math, I love this. It's it's real math. That's that's how you do it. My wife's a math teacher, Melody. My wife's a math teacher. So there you go. Watching watching a fifty year old Super Bowl on Daily Motion that is really down bad. Uh, Matt, were you trying to say something? I still watch the regular Super Bowl, but I got three TVs, so I did put Super Bowl four on one of them. So, Matt, were you trying to say something? Oh, I was just uh, going to congratulate Melody on being an educator. I'm also an educator, so, like, that's fun. Oh, how many – okay, Joe, you said your wife's an educator. Melody, you are – Matt, you are – who else is involved in education or knows someone or is close to anyone? Okay, I guess no one else. There we I'm go. I'm a professor. I, I teach I, – so I teach, oh, that's right. I teach a did, college class. In, yeah, in, you did tell us that. Uh, where do you teach yeah. again? I teach at a small liberal arts school outside of Philadelphia called Arcadia University. So props, I to, teach, I, yeah. props to all you teachers this year, man. Well, I, oh, I guess the end of last season hey. too. Uh, I can't, I can't imagine. Uh, I've heard it's, there have been some struggles. In fact, um, this teacher who my brother and I had for middle school, uh, I mean, we love her. She's super awesome. Uh, we all keep in touch with her on Facebook. She just recently caught COVID-19 and uh, she thinks that it came from one of her colleagues or one of her students. So uh, she's doing well, though, from what I've seen. Uh, but it's just been a struggle this year. So, yeah, props to all you teachers and everything you do and then the pandemic on top of this, because I can't imagine what that's been like. I will say, and I, I want to go to you, Dan, because I, because we mentioned the pandemic. I know there were some concerns this year. The Chiefs did have a couple of games impacted by the pandemic, the Patriots game and then the Buffalo Bills game, which was supposed to be on Thursday night. Um, they change it to Monday, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, uh, early in the evening. Uh, Dan, what do you think about the NFL and how they handled the pandemic? Because I think a lot of us have criticized how they tried to go on the fly, but at the same time, it's like, what else could they have done? Right. No, I tell you what, I think NFL did super this year. I mean, uh, I mean, I can't say enough good things, and they were so diligent from day one. I mean. When the NFL puts their uh, head to things, they're, it's going to happen, okay? And if you got to be tested every day, and, uh, you know, there's a few teams that broke protocol um, uh, one way or another, and I think that New Orleans is going to get hit with a big fine. I saw something about, you know, just I think it was today that, um, you know, had to do with Camara's uh, suspension. But, you know, if people – you're going to get some things, even if you follow – 
the rules 100%. You know, and the teams that didn't, um, they suffered for it by not having a player when they needed or what have you. But overall, I mean, the NFL was, you know, outstanding. And my understanding was Baltimore even – they went, you know, by uh, by the rules and the protocols and everything. And they, you know, we saw how many players they lost at times. But that being said, I think mm-hmm. the NFL ought to be right, commended man. for everything they did. Um, that the testing every day, the, um, the, the Zoom meetings. And you know what? Toward the end of the year, I think it probably helped some of the players because they had some live legs. You know, they weren't all beat up. And when Joe played, you know, um, there was – three a days and they beat the death in two a days, you know, but now the guys, they, they came out and they look kind of lively, yeah. but anyway, no, my hat's off to the NFL. No yeah. doubt, Dan, no doubt. I, I think it was amazing. I, I predicted about, you know, two or three weeks into the season that, that by the time we got to at least maybe the final eight, maybe the AFC NFC championship game, they would have, they would have taken the four teams into a bubble and just let them get, you know, each a hotel, lock everybody up in the hotel and then play at some central location and do kind of like what the NBA did. But I can't believe they didn't have to do that. Dan, you're right. Dan, I could not agree with you more. Hats off to the NFL for giving us when we all needed it this year, this distraction and, and being able to do it in a way that kept everybody safe. I, I, Dan, you are spot on, bud. Yeah. I mean, and look, we don't need to get into it because that's not what this podcast is about, but with all the, uh negativity going on it was nice to see uh sports i as a hockey fan someone who recently got into the sport and i'm a huge vegas golden Knights fan i was so ecstatic when they came back and the nfl you weren't quite sure what they were going to do they canceled their preseason games so you weren't quite sure what was going to happen but they were able to to get the season in Uh, wasn't easy at times but they were able to get all 256 games so that is uh certainly good to see the nfl uh do things the way they did um, I know we got a little off topic there, but hey, that, that happens sometimes. I do want to switch over to the defensive side. And look, I'll tell you, I, I know our offense is obviously much bigger than our defense, but I, I, our defense is so weird. I think we see a lot of inconsistencies during the season, but in the playoffs, man, they seem to just take it up several notches. Uh, Dan Sorensen comes out of nowhere and makes all these big plays that that special teams stop against the um, – the Houston Texans uh, a couple of weeks ago when he came away with that big force fumble against the Browns, which really ultimately could, could possibly have been the difference maker in that game. I know if that was a, a touchdown score, maybe the rest of the game would have gone differently. You never know, but that was a, a pretty big play for the chiefs. Um, and then you got guys like Tyron Matthew, who he's my favorite player on the team. And, and listen, I'll say this. I know a lot of people are going to say, you know, if, if we have the option to give Mahomes the last drive of the game, you know, go for it. Sure. I, I get it. But man, listen, if, if our defense has to be out there for the final drive, I welcome that because I really want to see our defense go out there and make some plays and, and prove a lot of people wrong. Cause and I think even some Chiefs fans may uh, doubt our defense in a situation like that. I I'm really excited to see what Chris Jones and what um, uh, Frank Clark are going to do, because let's not forget Steve Spagnolo, the last time he won a Super Bowl before coming to Kansas city, well, that was when he put a stop to the New York Giants 19-0 run. And that defense right there, five sacks in that game, led by Michael Strahan and JPP. Uh, Mark, I'll go to you first on this. Um, how confident are you in our defensive line? Because the Buccaneers do have a pretty stout uh, offensive line. Yeah, I think they're going to get pressures. Um, I don't know how many sacks they're going to get, but Jones and Clark have been really pouring it on lately. And I think that'll create a few turnovers. Our secondary is really underrated, um, in my opinion, throughout the entire season. They've just gotten better and better. And Thornhill really coming into his own here in the playoffs. And uh, I think, yeah, I think the defensive line is going to be up there creating pressure. And uh, they're going to be able to get some turnovers because of it. Who wants to follow up with that? Yeah, I, go ahead. I, I was just going to throw out that, you know, a lot of times in a Super Bowl, guys that end up being stars, you don't expect them to be the star. You know, they'll come out and, hey, who knows? Maybe Treshawn Wharton's going to have a couple sacks up the middle, you know, in a rotation. Hey, I hope he does. You know, I mean, uh, I'm all for these underdogs. I mean, 
um, you know, a lot of, in fact, the cheat, one other reason I, I have to be neutral because I, I got, I like 32 teams, but the reason I I'm leaning to the chiefs um, because although we got some great Tom Brady was one of the best uh, East West shrine guys ever. And then, uh, but, but uh, like Dan Sorensen, he's an East West guy, but Wharton is, there's, we got like uh, eight to 10 guys counting on practice squad from the East West. They're playing for the chiefs and they're, they're, even though they're role players, a lot of times they're doing a great job. And so, Hey, you never know. Sorensen may have to make another hit like he did against uh, Higgins, you know, against Cleveland. I mean, you just don't know those guys that are remember uh, Timmy Smith years ago for the Washington Redskins. He had one great game in his uh, pro career and it was in the Super Bowl. You know, he rushed for 200 and some yards. So, I mean, you never know. And one of these guys steps up or two of them. And hey, that could be the difference. Jake, uh, you wanted to yeah. say something. Yeah, I will say um, one thing to, to maybe look at after rewatching the, the week 12 game is that the, the Bucks tight ends, um, Gronk in particular, and then Ronald Jones had like a 40 yard touchdown too. Um, they were, the, the Bucks offense was, was locked down generally, but they were really successful in those intermediate tight end or short throws to the running back. Um, so that that linebacker versus running back slash tight end matchup is something to watch um, with Willie Gay out, especially. Yeah, um, it's a big I loss. An eye on that, yeah. Yeah, I, I I see some concern with that as well because I know the the Chiefs are either like third or fourth most yards allowed against tight ends this season. They're very high up there, so that has been probably along with the run defense uh, among the biggest weaknesses of the chiefs defense is yards allowed to tight ends. But I mean, when you look at some of the guys on the defense, like Chris Jones, like Legarius Sneed, uh, like Tyron Matthew, and hopefully like Juan, uh, Juan Thornhill right now, after Thornhill had a spectacular game in the championship, uh, you just hope that those guys really stand out in this game. <laughs> Sorry. I have to ask <laughs> what is what is Brett doing? I, I see Bernie there by the Alamo. He's, he's, oh, he's getting excited. I've got a six-year-old with autism and a seven-year-old in here. And I don't know where my wife is. So I'm <laughs> no, you're good. He wanted this snack. My daughter wants to know how to do this. I got to go. <laughs> you're good. You're good. I was like, <laughs> you know what's funny? I was in there thinking in my mind going, God, I bet I look like a nutcase. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of concerned. I was like, is everything okay? <laughs> Come on, right, you're go. good, dude. Uh, no, do uh, what you need I, to do. As Bernie Sanders is there, <laughs> by the way, Bernie, um, Bernie's keeping an eye on shit, man. Yes. Uh, if you he guys go, Wee Herman's bike is still in the Alamo. All if right? you guys go to union station and I'm sure when the chiefs won the super bowl, which I'm confident they'll, they'll change the lighting to super bowl champs right now. It, it said run it back a couple weeks ago. Now it says AFC champs, run it back. I'm sure they'll change it to super bowl champs on the walls. By the front door, they 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 just put Bernie Sanders there, and everyone's taking pictures with Bernie Sanders on the wall, which I, I just think is pretty cool. So I appreciate you bringing Bernie awesome. Sanders here. Um, sure. Oh, so we were talking about the linebackers, um, Charles. I'll go to you. We haven't heard from you in a while. We just really haven't had. Uh, and I, I know Willie Gay, you Jake, you mentioned him, but he's not really a consistent starter for us. Uh, doesn't play a whole lot of downs. We just really haven't had a dominant impact player uh, at linebackers since Derek Johnson. How confident are you in our linebackers for, for this game? I'm actually feeling pretty good about the linebackers. I feel like I'm in the minority there. I feel like specifically uh, Anthony Hitchens, Ever since he got back from the COVID list, he, he looks faster. And I don't know if he – it was never really confirmed if he actually had COVID or not. Um, but but I don't know if, uh, if he lost some weight or if he was training that whole time. But he he looks a bit faster than he did those first couple of weeks to start the season, just to the naked eye. And, uh, I mean, I think he had, like, like a, a pretty good play in coverage either it was in the divisional round or um, – or, or the AFC title game, but, uh, and then, you know, they seem to be using Sorensen uh, in the dime package a little bit more frequently. So I feel like that kind of makes up for the, the, um, I guess, coverage issues that, that we could be concerned with. 
But I mean, when you're going against Brady, you know that he he's like up there with with Peyton Manning when it comes to finding the weakness in the defense and figuring out how to exploit it, right? So that's why I I kind of feel like it, this game, like the offense, they're gonna do what they always do. They're gonna find a way to score points, and, and they're gonna score a lot of them. But this game, it's gonna be on the defense and figuring out how to kind of this this chess match with Tom Brady you know when he finds something that he likes they have to figure out real quick how to take it away or he's going to just dice you up with it and um, I feel like the defense really changed uh, when when Legereus Sneed came back right from from injured reserve Uh, it just completely changed the complexion of the defense because it allowed Tyron Matthew to stop playing in the slot quite quite as much I mean they still put him in there occasionally but uh, it, it allowed him to shift back kind of to that robber role that that he that that the Chiefs really envisioned him in when they signed him, right? He's, he's doing the the uh, the the, uh, uh, the Dawkins from from the Eagles, right? He, he's in that kind of same type of role, and um, and I feel like that's allowed really everyone on the defense to to fit in the spot where where the coaching staff had envisioned them. So um, and, and that, that's kind of the way I'm feeling right now going into this one. You know, a couple of you guys mentioned Legereus Sneed. Uh, I was one of those people who was really bummed out when Marcus Peters left because I think he was a really rare cornerback. And it, it's so hard to replace a guy like that. I know there were some disagreements between him and, and the coaching staff, ownership, whatever. But I think Legereus Sneed can be that, that perfect replacement for Peters uh, if he can stay healthy because this guy – does come off like a ball hawking cornerback. And if he can play a full 16 games, I think this guy is going to be the new Marcus Peters on the team, a guy who's probably going to be an all pro and a pro bowler. Do you guys all feel kind of that, that same sentiment that he could be that perfect replacement for, for the chiefs? I do. So, I do. I saw him a lot too, because I, you know, when I was obviously scouting him, uh, he was a heck of a corner as a junior there at Louisiana tech. And then, you know, his senior year, they moved in safety because they needed safeties bad. And I, I'll tell you, I think it's like, you're right. Yeah, I mean, Farzan, I think that as long as he stays healthy, because I mean, he's, if you guys have seen him on the hoof, now this is a big athletic guy that can turn and run. And uh, yes. And you know what, Mark and Marcus Peters without the problems, you know? And uh, so I think that um, I think he can. I think Snead can be kind of like a Tyron Matthew type. Um I know that the Chiefs might look to extend Matthew here in a year or so. But I hope so. <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be a nice move. Um, but uh, I think Snead can play the same kind of thing. Like uh, in college, he played safety and cornerback. He can play in the slot. We've seen him play on the outside. So I think he could be that kind of role where he can get moved all around. So I'd like to, if I could, I'd like to say something Please, about yeah. Snead. Uh, we. Uh, we, we do a show every year where we interview like draft prospects coming up. And one of the ones we interviewed was Jamar Smith from Louisiana tech, the quarterback. And we asked him when we were interviewing, uh, we said, you know, who's the best defensive back that you've ever played against because he's played against Miami. He's played against LSU and other teams. And he said, he thought about it for a second. He was like, I don't know the best defensive backs I've ever played against. and probably be the guys on my own team, Amik Robertson and Legereus Sneed. And so I didn't know who Legereus Sneed was, but as soon as I heard his name called for the Chiefs, I was like, yes! I was like, let's go! So, yeah. you know, because this is a guy who's played against the best and still thinks Legereus Sneed is the best he's ever played against in practice. So, You know, th- this is such a great rookie class because you have uh, Sneed and and Clyde and, and Willie Gay um, unfortunately, they all have dealt with injuries this year, and you kind of, you know, unfortunately, injuries are part of sports in a very unforgiving way. Um, so hopefully, those guys can uh, stay healthy next season because this is going to be a great draft. And don't forget about Lucas Niang too. Um, yeah. And there's somebody else. Who, who else did we draft this year that we didn't get to see? Tommy Mike. Townsend. Oh, that's Tommy right, Townsend. Tommy Townsend. Yes, everybody forgets about those kickers. Yes. But uh, hey, how about that pass against the Jets in Week Six? When he throws yeah. a first down, you know, uh, and then uh, it then goes on to a touchdown. So, hey, Tommy was a quarterback in high school, but no, hey, uh, I think Mike Dan is going to have a chance. You know, there's another rookie that he was, 
you know, he was injured part of the year, but I think he's another rookie that's going to have a chance. And on the offensive side, the big Durant kid uh, from Missouri, I think that, you know, he may develop to be a good offensive lineman. But anyway, that's all I got to say. <laughs> um, so I, I did want to go a little uh, something uh, related to the uh, to the Super Bowl tomorrow, but I know we talked offense and defense. Is there anyone that wants to add anything to the defense before we do move on? Hey, I'll say one thing, Farzan. I think what Coach Bagnola has done, along obviously with all the other defensive coaches and Coach Reed, hmm. he has he has taken the players on this squad. Number one, I think they're the most improved unit in the entire NFL. And I'm not just being a Chiefs homer. I, I think if you look at any offensive defense for all 32 teams from the last two years, they are the where they started and where they are now. They are absolutely the most improved unit that is in the NFL. And what Coach Bagnola has done, a lot like, like what Eric Bieniemy has done on the offensive side, is he has taken his playbook and crafted it to his players, as opposed to what a lot of NFL coaches do. They try to take their playbook and they try to stuff their players into it, and they, they end up fitting square pegs into round holes. And he has done an incredible job of recreating his playbook to meet the development needs and the strengths of his defensive players and the talent he has. That's where I think why this defense is, is number one, it's underrated because a lot of people don't see that. And a lot of people don't understand what it takes to do that. And, and I, I give, you know, coach bags a, a huge shout out for what he did to, to take mold his playbook around the players. Unlike what most other coaches do the vice versa. hundred percent, Joe, I tell you, Steve was with us at, uh, uh, Philadelphia also, where he broke into the NFL, and he's just an outstanding teacher, and that's the way I always looked at it, and in uh, exactly what you said, I mean, he fit the players, you know, he, he, went, he played to the strengths of the players, and not you know, if I don't have this guy, he can't play for me or, you know, right, yeah. uh, so, but, but you're a hundred percent, right, Joe, I think Spags, he's, he's an outstanding teacher, an outstanding coach. And I would agree a hundred percent that everything has been elevated over last year on the defensive side. Uh, Melody, I want to go to you because you and I did talk about this. There's actually something really special that's going to happen uh, for tomorrow's Super Bowl. Um, I don't know if you guys knew about this. I, I know a lot of people know about Can you guys all see this, by the way? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep, yep. So everyone's been talking about Sarah Thomas. She's going to be the first female uh, referee in the Super Bowl. But there are going to be a lot of women involved for tomorrow's Super Bowl. And that includes a couple of Chiefs assistant coaches, both uh, assistant athletic trainers, uh, Julie Freimeyer and Tiffany Morton. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of... Uh, uh, diversity in your tool uh, as well. Uh, Morale, I believe it's, you say Jabba Defar. Uh, she's Iranian, just like me, which is pretty cool. Um, this kind of evolution, you know, you're, you're, we've been hearing a lot about women in collegiate sports and also in uh, professional sports. Uh, Melody, I want to go to you as, as, uh, as the only woman in here and as someone who's also an educator, uh, what do you make when you hear something like that for the NFL? You know, I think it's amazing. You know, I grew up and I want to say to Joe, man, I watched you play when I was younger. Like you, you know, like it's so cool to be in the same room with y'all. Oh, so um, <laughs> this conversation. Joe has the coolest record, which is the most touchdown catches by an offensive lineman. Like I was, I was Chris Carter man, before Chris Carter was Chris Carter. I was texting my brother. I'm like, I am in live with you. Yeah. It's just, you know, um, oh, no, well, that's very sweet. Melanie. Yeah. It totally <laughs> mean it too. Um, it's it's amazing to see this when I was growing up you know everything was so separate and I, I played ball when I was younger and the girls we've always got the shaft on everything we just got the junkie everything just the leftovers so to see women excel right now is amazing to have the first woman um, vice president and then to see like women really uh, breaking those what the glass ceilings like this is just so cool I would love to see more diversity and I hope that that will um, happen but just it's pretty amazing. And if you read about uh, Sarah Thomas, she is legit amazing. She's great in her field. Women can do uh, things that when I was growing up, we were told that we couldn't do. And so seeing this, uh, I, I love it. And, I, you know, I tell my girls, you know, you can do anything. And I think that's what it shows for a lot of us is that um, this is just, just, just a little taste of what's to come. And I love that. 
And far I'm going to dovetail on that. As the father of three daughters, these are role models that I can't even put a price tag on, right? As, as people that, that my daughters can watch and see that they can do anything. Um, my wife, when, when, you know, when she used to teach uh, football, she, she, she built a class called Football 101 for Women because she wanted to go out and, and make sure that women understood the game and they weren't just – you know, getting cast aside at a Super Bowl party or a football party and say, oh, well, you don't know anything about football. So she and she went on WIP in Philadelphia, which is the sports talk radio. And she schooled Brian Mitchell, who was playing for the, you know, obviously was, you know, with m- most of his career with the Washington football team. Uh, and and she and she took took him down in, in her understanding of the game. It was like the pr- it was more proud than scoring a touchdown from Joe Montana. It was like my mm. proudest moment that my wife knew more about football than an NFL player and the rules and the trivia and all the things that went around it. So, yeah, I couldn't agree with Mel anymore. There is, this, there is such a place for women in this sport, and, and I am so excited to see it happening. And you know, we're on the precipice of, of really great things happening um, mm. for, you know, in both diver- from a diversity perspective and also – uh, for women as well in sports. It's a, we're, we're really seeing the light finally. Mm-hmm. I love that. And awesome. just the, the way that, you know, the world is changing right now. When I was growing up, we liked football. I took a, a middle school class and our, um, our coach, she, she taught us how to play football, how to throw a ball. So it's always been really fun. And um, yeah, I, I'm glad that you brought this up because I think it's remarkable and it should be highlighted. And I hope that next year I can come back. I hope we're going to go to the Super Bowl again and that you're going to have more women on the panel. I feel, I, I do feel a little bit like, ah, like, you know, I don't know what to say. I don't know the game no, as well as you, but I love it. And I love hearing you guys talk. That's awesome. Well, well no, I appreciate you uh, adding that because I definitely wanted to uh, get your input on that. All right, uh, I'm going to ask for score predictions in a moment. But before we do that, does anyone have anything else they want to add before we do the score predictions? I, I'd actually like to mention. Uh, sure. So I know I, I know the NFL awards are about to uh, about to start here in a couple minutes, I believe, actually. Oh, OK. And uh, I'm wondering if anyone here thinks that any Chiefs, current Chiefs, not including former Chiefs, because Alex Smith is definitely going to win comeback player of the year. But uh, yeah. any current Chiefs winning any awards, mainly Offensive Player of the Year, with either Patrick Mahomes or Travis Kelsey. I'm I, not sure they do, but Kelsey. I would love to see Kelsey win Offensive Player of the Year. I think he deserves it. I think Mahomes yeah, is be going Kelsey. to be – yeah, I think Mahomes is going to be uh, just short of the MVP behind Rodgers. But, man, Travis Kelsey really should win Offensive Player of the Year. The, here's, here's what people don't understand. I don't hear a lot of people mention this part of it. Like, yeah, Kelsey's great and all, but he also shares a field with Tyreek Hill, okay? Um, these guys also complement each other, so I know they help each other get wide open and everything, but at one point in the season, Travis Kelsey was second in receiving yards and Tyreek Hill was third. It's not easy to have two people on the same team be in the top five or top three in this case in the same category. OK, that's not an easy thing to do. And the way this offense is built, you got to give a lot of credit. And Kelsey does a lot of great things to try to open up the field for other uh, teammates, other pass catchers. I really think it should be Travis Kelsey this year for Offensive Player of the Year. I'm glad you asked that, by the way. Does anyone else think he's going to get it? I don't, I don't think it's any question. It, it just only makes sense. The, the records that he's put up today, you know, this, year, this season, the numbers that he's put up. It, it wouldn't make any sense for it to be anybody else. He's the, the numbers he's put up as a tight end really like wide receiver numbers. It's just absolutely legendary. I mean, there really shouldn't be any question behind it. Is Andy Reid going to win coach of the year this year? You think? Nah, no, no. no? Okay. No, probably the bills coach. I can't think yeah, of the McDermott guy's name, but sure. it should be him. Or yeah, and DeBowl might win like offensive coach, offensive or assistant I, coach or whatever. I, 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 I hope Kelsey wins it. He totally deserves it. But I have a bad feeling that it's going to be given to Derrick Henry, who I yeah. do not think has been better than Kelsey this year. If I wouldn't, Mahomes I wouldn't win, complain about that. If Mahomes doesn't win MVP, which I think we all think he's going to be runner up, why wouldn't that hmm. put him as the front runner for offensive player of the year? I think that'd be worthy too, but. It just feels like they're going to give it to Derrick Henry still. A non-quarterback. I, 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 I hope it's Kelsey, though. Kelsey totally deserves it. Traditionally Dick speaking, they, they tend to hand these awards out to players that aren't in the Super Bowl, right? And, and just knowing a few of the, the voters 
I, I just don't think that that <clears throat> Kelsey is going to get the nod over Henry. Well, hold on. Correct me if I'm wrong, but these votes are submitted before the playoffs start. Is that correct? This is correct. Okay. I only say that because you mentioned, you know, these generally don't go to the Super Bowl, but we don't obviously at the time when the votes are submitted, we don't know for sure who's in the Super Bowl at that time. That's the only reason why I, I didn't mean to like debunk that completely, but I, I think I, I think that's why they do it right at the regular season. Because you hear a lot of Chiefs fans, or not just Chiefs fans, any fans, they go, oh, this person didn't make it to the Super Bowl. Why did they get it? Well, they they cast their votes before the playoffs started. So I think some fans aren't, aren't aware of that. But yeah, no, I'm glad you... The votes oh, ahead, were, were casted uh, before before even Kelsey, you know, hit the the playoff milestones that he hit, uh, I believe, last uh, in the the AFC title game. So I I mean that that doesn't even weigh into the factor um, of his season. And uh, I feel like that they're you know when a running back hits two thousand yards, there's something that just with with these writers that are that are voting. I don't get it because I yeah I feel like I look at what what Kelsey has done this season and just within the context of the entire history of the league. And I'm like, I, I match that up with another 2000 yard running back. And I'm like, eh, this seems more impressive. But, well, we'll see how that pans out. Uh, but well, yeah, yeah, the NFL honors show should be starting. I, I, I guess it's all virtual this year because of the pandemic, but we'll find out shortly. Yeah. It just started uh, on CBS right now. Oh, okay. So yeah, I'm, I'm sure I'll be watching that along with uh, the UFC fights. All right. Yeah. Uh, let's do our predictions quickly. Uh, I'll go first. I'm saying 41 35. I think whoever uh, wins this game is going to have to score in the, uh, in the forties to win. Uh, I'm just going to go in order, uh, by row. So Matt, I'm going to start with you. Who do you think, uh, or what do you think is going to be the score? Okay. We're going Kansas city, 35, Tampa Bay, 24. And I think the, the defense is going to make it look better than a 24 score. I definitely think Snead ends up with a sack in this game. But uh, I'm going to go with Kansas City winning it by double digits just like they do. I, by the way, I'm going to write all your uh, score predictions and see who's yeah. going to be the closest. Accountable. Uh, Melody, what do you think the score is going to be? You know, I think it's going to be a close game. I really do. Uh, I think it's going to be like a three-point game. I don't want to put an actual score, but I think it's going to be really close. But I think we're going to come right ahead, like right at the end. Like I think we're all going to be biting our nails. It's going to be pretty intense. You, you got to give a score, Melody. I'm writing these down. I'm okay, not letting come you. Okay, I'll come back to you. Fair enough. Uh, Charles, uh, what do you think the score is going to be? Uh, let me. I, I gotta check my my official prediction here. I don't want to. Yeah, does does everyone need a right? second to? to I, 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 I made sure to check my official prediction. Uh, right. I, so I, I know I, I went. I, I know I went with a thirteen point game. I think it was thirty seven to twenty four Chiefs. Okay. Uh, where are you uh, on here? Uh, gosh, this is a complete. My notes are complete. Okay. I'm sorry. What did you say, Charles? Thirty seven. 3724 chief 3724 uh my, brett my oh go ahead oh, go ahead brett just wanted to say this is funny uh, you uh, i guess you can't see it but odd shark has tampa bay winning 31 and a half kansas city 23.2 um my my prediction is uh kansas city 33 to 27 okay uh dan what do you think the score is going to be Tell you what, I think I think the Chiefs are gonna pull it out like I'm with Melody at the end, 38 to 35. 38 Damn. to 35. That's okay if That's you guys have I the same going. prediction. Hey, um, Dan. <laughs> I, I want to second Dan. Just Melody with Dan. Thank you. Okay, whatever. I'll, I'll do that. Uh Melody, where are you? Okay, 38, 35. Jake, what's your score? I like Chiefs 30, Bucks 27. Last uh down. 30 to 27 you said yeah okay uh joe i think it's going to be chiefs 35 uh buccaneers 31 but i think it's that 31 is going to happen with the bucks trying to score a lot at the end so it's you know and then try the onside or whatever but i think it's 35 31 mark chiefs. what's your what's your score mark yeah i think i probably have the biggest blow i think it's going to be chiefs 38 and Tampa Bay 21. I just think that the Chiefs defense is going to step up. 
Um, I like to hear people's scores and like how they get to those scores, like five touchdowns and a field goal for the Chiefs seems legit. And then I just don't think that the Bucks are going to settle for field goals. So they're going to be going for it a lot on fourth down. I don't think they're going to make their fourth down conversions when they get down into the red zone. So three touchdowns for the Bucks. So 38-21. When the when the Patriots were playing the Giants, were trying to go nineteen and zero, they went for it on fourth and fifteen, and Brady throws the worst pass, just it like oh, way over the edge, and I'm like, I hope they go for it on fourth down because we know Brady <laughs> how he does in those situations. Uh, Sam, uh, what do you say? Oh my bad. Uh, as you as you can find in my uh, my preview article that just came out on Sports Illustrated. Uh, I have nice the, plug. The, <laughs> amazing plug. Uh, I have the Chiefs winning 38 to 27. 38 to 27. Zach, the best for last, man. What do you got? I'll, I'll go 38 31, Chiefs. 38. So let it go on record 31. that I was going to go with Dan early on. So I just figured I'd be different. Fair <laughs> enough. Well, in 24 hours, the fourth quarter will be starting, and I'm sure we will all be losing our minds uh, in that oh. uh, in that situation. So that'll be a lot of fun. Hey, uh, listen, uh, with uh, Dan and Zach, uh, I, I, Zach, I met you in college. Dan, uh, Dylan, who I used to have my podcast, my Chiefs podcast on his side, he referred me to you. But outside of the two of you guys, all of you guys, I've just kind of come across on social media. And I know there's a lot of negativity you can say with social media, but there's also that positivity where you can make connections like I have with many of you guys. And I know some of you guys know each other. I know Sam and, and um, Mark, you guys uh, work together at sports illustrated. So you guys are pretty familiar with each other. Uh, it's pretty cool. There's always that, uh, that, that, that positive light that comes in social media that can definitely overshadow the bad. So, Hey, I really appreciate all of you guys making time for this. Uh, this was a lot of fun. We'll do this again next year when we are back in the Super Bowl against who knows who at that time. Uh, but seriously, uh, thank you guys so much. Stay safe. Enjoy the Super Bowl tomorrow. I'm sure I'll be texting a lot of you guys uh, after a couple of drinks and saying all kinds of crazy stuff uh, for the game. No, seriously, though. Thank you, guys. Safe, Have a good night. Thanks, I appreciate all of you guys who uh, watched us live. Uh, and uh, the podcast will be back later this week. Take care. Thanks.